to welcome. So glad to see everybody. Last week, Pastor Ken just had a phenomenal, phenomenal message. Jeannie and I were in Mexico, so we watched online. Isn't that great when you're away? You, you can do that. And uh, we, we were down in the Yucatan Peninsula suffering for Jesus, sitting under an umbrella, drinking virgin piña coladas on, on the white beach sand, you know. Uh, we came home Thursday. We left 85 degrees and got back here. And it was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, today I-, I want to talk to you about soul ties. Now, soul ties can be good and they can be bad. We're going to show them to you in the Bible. Now, for some of you, this is literally going to be a life-changing day. For others of you, this is going to be information that you're going to be able to use to help somebody else. So I want everybody to just really open up your heart. Satan wants you to believe that your future is going to be just like your past. Nothing's going to change. But the Bible tells us that the path of the righteous is like the noonday sun. It just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. In other words, God does not consult your past to determine your future. And your, your past does not have to have anything to do with your future. You can leave that behind. But again, we're going to talk about one of the things that can cripple people from going ahead. And it's a soul tie. And it can be a relationship with someone where their actions affect your well-being. Someone said a soul tie is a connection that unites your inner being with another person. Someone has noticed that in wrong soul ties often, one person is dominated by another person. Soul ties, again, they can be good or they can be bad. For example, in marriage, there is a soul tie, and there's even much more than a, than a soul tie that takes place. But in Mark's gospel, the 10th chapter, Jesus said the two shall become one, so they're no longer two, but they are one. They're one. And in a soul tie, it's in the soulish area, but your soul is connected to the other person's soul, and they have a tremendous amount of influence over you. Uh, one of the, 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 the best-known stories literally in the Bible is found in 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 17. In fact, this story, many people know it and don't even know it's in the Bible. It's a story of David killing Goliath. David is about 14 years old, gets up in the morning, and his father says, I want you to bring some food to your brothers that are in the army. And what has happened, there's been a stalemate. There's, there's, there's literally, there's a hill over here, a valley with a little stream running through it. Last time we were there, the valley was full of green peppers, by the way. And then on the other side, there's another hill. Israel's on this side. Philistines are on this side. Every day, every morning and every night for 40 days, there's been a, a Philistine by the name of Goliath. Now, it depends on the size of the cubic, but the Bible says he's six cubics in a span. 
That means he's someplace between nine foot six inches and 12 foot tall. He's a big guy. And he comes out and he says, send me somebody to fight with me. And if I can kill him, you will be our slaves. If he kills me, we'll be your slaves. And the Bible says for 40 days, the Israelites hear that man and they are literally terrified. But when David comes and hears, he said, I'll go and fight that guy. They end up sending him to fight. 14-year-old kid, he's got a shepherd's staff, he's got a sling, and he's got a little pouch. And the Bible says he goes down to that stream and he picks up five smooth stones. He goes to fight that giant, and he, you know the story, he takes that sling, hits that giant right in the forehead, he falls down, he goes over, takes out the sword, cuts his head off. When the Philistines see it, they run. Israel takes off after them, and there's just this great victory. Well, Saul's son is a bit older than David. His name is Jonathan. And when he sees it, the, 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 just the, 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 the faith and, and, and the, the, the bravery and the valor that David has, he goes over and he talks with him. He says, and when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. His what part? His soul was knit to David. And uh, literally, it's just this, this tremendous friendship that takes place. When Jonathan's father is trying to kill David, it is Jonathan that saves David's life. When David is hiding in a cave and he gets discouraged and, and, and ready to give up, it's Jonathan that goes out and encourages him and says, you're going to become king. And my dad knows it and I'm going to be at your side. And later when Jonathan is dead, David adopts his son and brings him into his house and, and literally brings him up as his own and he sits at his table and, and eats every day. Right? It was a great, a good soul tie, a good one. But they can be good and they can be, they can be bad. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Or do you not know that he was joined to a harlot as one body with, with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. For 45 years, I jogged anywhere from 30 to 70 miles a week. Just, just was my favorite thing to do, get out and, and kind of just think and get alone. And, uh, every place we went, we, we lived, when we here, we almost always lived out in the country. But we went and visited Jeannie's sister who lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they lived in town. And so I got up in the morning and around her block was a little over a half a mile. And I'm out going to go run around the block, right? I did not make it all the way around the first time when all of a sudden off to the side, remember they're living in the city, all right, off to the side over here, I, I, I see something coming at me fast and it's like, you know, it is the biggest, baddest pit bull you have ever seen. And I mean, I am just like. You know, that sucker comes and he gets about six feet from where I'm at and he comes to the end of his chain. 
And he is coming full bore. Literally, his, his uh, back end comes up, you know, and he goes wham down on the ground. And he's like, rah, 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 you know? and I'm like, nah, 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 nah. You know? <laughs> Seriously, okay? <laughs> right. Now listen, <laughs> probably every jogger has had their story, you know, of something similar to that happening. But your soul can become tied to somebody. And you literally try to get away. And, and what happens is you get so far and that thing, you, you, you hit the end of that tie that you've got and, and you just, you, you, you cannot get away, right? Because you are emotionally connected to somebody and, and you know it's not right. Let me give you an example of this. A woman in her late 60s is getting a divorce from the same man for the fourth time. And she says, you know, we got married, we were in our, our 20s, and he's just having affair after affair, and he won't quit, and I get a sexually transmitted disease. No, I, 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 I divorce him, and you know, about four or five years later, he comes back, it's always the biggest mistake of my life, and I'm so sorry, and, and I'm a changed man, and I'm going to just be so good. And she says, and I just felt all this emotion, and I just felt so attached to him, and, and uh, we get remarried, and exact same thing is happening again, and we get a divorce, and a few years later, he comes back and tells me I'm the best thing that ever happened in his life. And, and he just really loved me the whole time. And he just didn't know it. And we get remarried. And he's having more affairs again. And we get divorced. And then he comes back about five years later and tells me how big a mistake it was and how I was the true love of his life. And we get remarried again. And he's having more affairs. And, and she says, she's in her late 60s. And she says, I know. I know that God had things he wanted for my life that I never got into because I couldn't stay away from that man. I just couldn't stay away. I, I tried, but I could not stay away. People get stuck. They're tied. They never fully move on. There's, they, they, they want to sever that relationship with certain people, but it just seems like they just can't do it. It's been years, and they're just not released in their soul. It's an unhealthy relationship. You know you should get out, but you try to get out, and you say, I just can't. I just can't get out. There's all sorts of abuse that's going on. It's having a strong negative effect on you, but you can't break it. In a sexual, you're in a sexual relationship. You know it's wrong, but you can't resist the urge to just keep going back to that person. Now, it's a soul tie. Your soul is your will, your mind, and your emotions. Your will, your mind, and your emotions. It's your mind, it's the thing you think, it's your feelings, it's, your, it's the things that, you, your emotions, it's the things that you're feeling. Those things can tie you to another person. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Verse 23, it says, may the very God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have this connection, this tie in your soul that will keep you from moving on with your life and keep you bound to something in your past. 
So let me talk to you for a moment about how soul ties, how they're formed. The first one, very simply, is through close relationship. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 that Jonathan's soul was knit to the soul of David. He preferred David even over himself. He said, David, you're going to be the king, not me. He's the one who informed David of a plot against his life. He's the one who went to David when he was discouraged in despair and hiding in a cave and encouraged him. And there can be a close relationship that's pulling you out of God's will. In your life, you know it's wrong, and it's just a wrong soul tie. Someone, by the way, somebody who does not respect the assignment that you have from God should not even qualify to be a close friend to you. In Proverbs 6.23 says, The commandment is a lamp and the law a light. The reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from. And it says here, the evil woman. How many know there's at least as many evil men? Probably a whole bunch more. Now, it's saying God's word will give you wisdom to keep you from certain relationships. There are relationships, there are people who you should not have close relationships with. So they can be formed simply by a close relationship. They can be formed, secondly, by vows, commitments, and promises. Vows, commitments, and promises. I will never stop loving you. I'll never get you out of my heart. You're the only one I will ever give my love to. No one will ever take your place in my heart. You'll always be the only one for me. Now, those words can have tremendous power over your life. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 6 says you're snared by the words of your mouth. And those words can keep you trapped or tied to somebody. You feel something that's just pulling you, pulling you towards that person or keeping you from getting away from that person. You feel something preventing you from fully going forward. And it's this connection that you have to this person. It's like a weight that's dragging you. Several years ago, uh, three or four of the pastors and myself, we, we, were church was, we were having children's camp. And so we went out to the camp to just see what was going on and say thank you to all the workers. And, and this particular camp was on a little lake. And they had some rowboats. And so we got in there and we rowed out to like the other side of the lake. And we had a couple fishing poles and we sat there and we were talking and we were fishing for a while. And then we decided that we would race back to the, up to, to the, the, the beach area. And so the, one of the other pastors was on, uh, on the other boat. He was on the, the, uh, the oars there, and I was on the oars over here. And, and I looked at him, and I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake. Uh, I used to be in good shape. You may not believe that, but I really was. Right? And I thought, this is going to be so easy. And so ready, set, go. And we take off, and I'm just going. I'm giving it everything I've got. And I am, like, giving two or three of these things to everyone they're doing. And they are just taking off and leaving us behind. And I'm just giving everything I can. I cannot figure it out. And we get to the beach and our anchor was out. <laughs> I kid you not. Our anchor is there. No, no wonder they beat us. Listen, some of us in life, we got an anchor. 
And we're one, why can't I go on with a new relationship? Why, why, is there, why am I stuck in this place? Why do I put so much effort forth and not get anywhere? It's because your anchor's out. Now, those words are holding you captive. Now, you can make an inner vow like that that will have just a tremendous effect on you. You can say something like this. I will never be poor. I grew up poor. And I will never be poor. And you know what? You become a workaholic. You're not willing to share. That thing, that, that thing just has power over you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, I have a friend who tells a story about his friend. His friend grew up in a, with, with uh, parents that were like health nuts. I mean, they're, 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 they're juicing everything, you know, and you got to have raw carrots and beets and celery and, you know, all this, all this stuff. And like, like, never, never do we allow soda pop in our house. Never. And you can never have a soda pop, ever. Well, someplace he had one, liked it. And he said, when I grow up, we will never run out of soda pop in my house. We will always have soda pop. All right, it's true. It's true. Listen, listen. You could not get in the garage because there was the, the garage was full of cases, crates with cases on top of soda pop. And this guy's like, yeah, I like soda pop. I don't know why, but I just always got to have a lot. Yeah. Snared by the words of your mouth. You go through a, a betrayal and you say something like this. I will never trust another man, another woman. I will never trust. And you are snared by the words of your mouth. You're, you're in a home where you're disciplined, but it's really abuse. And you say something like this. Now, I will never discipline my children. Yeah. And they're little hellions. <laughs> You know, you know, it's true. Amen. But somebody makes an inner vow. Amen. But you can make an inner vow about another person that will create a tie to that person. So one of the ways that they're made, you see, is when, when you make that sort of a commitment, you, you say those things, and you may not even remember it. Girl's in her early 30s. Oh, when she was 16, she had a boyfriend in high school. Just love this guy. They broke off, and then he began to contact her almost every year. He would contact her. He'd just say, You know, I'm thinking of you. You know, what we had was so special. You know, when I think about you, da 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 da. And she said, Every year, every year, he would contact her, and the emotions, the feelings, the passion, would just come back, and she would go, and she'd give herself to that man again. She'd regret it, not going to do it, but the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time. And she said, every time I ever met anybody, she said, I, I always compared that person, the way I felt about them, and every experience that I had to how it was with that guy when I was 16 years old. It was a soul tie. 
But when she, when she understood what it was, she was able to break it and live free. Now, the third way soul ties are made is through sexual relationships. Ungodly soul ties are formed when unmarried people have an intimate sexual relationship. The two shall become one flesh, and they are no longer two, but one. And, and, and part of the soul, this is a soulless thing. Now, there is so much more that takes place in marriage, and sex is not marriage. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now, he is not your husband. So having sex with somebody does not mean that you're married to them. But the way that God made us was that when there is sexual intimacy, we're tied. Something could have happened years ago, but you're still, you're still feeling this pull. Uh, Savelle Foy wrote and said this, when we give ourselves sexually to another person, a part of our soul is chipped away. And when we give ourselves to many sexual partners, many pieces of our soul are chipped away. Eventually, we'll feel like one fragmented person incapable of loving just one person fully and completely. Sometimes blocking us from giving our whole selves to one person, perhaps even our marriage partner, because we're not a whole person. Our soul is still tied to some degree to people who we've been intimate with. Uh, recent surveys said that by the age of 19, seven out of 10 unmarried teens have engaged in sexual intimacy with at least one person. Now, that's why, the, that, that's why really, I believe there are, there's so much divorce today is because we're not whole. We're sexually tied. There, there's this soul tie that we have with somebody, somebody else. Their soul is divided. It's fragmented. The Bible says in James 1, 18, the double-minded, the double-souled person is unstable in all their ways, in all their ways. I just want to take just a moment and say something because of the day that we're living in. <clears throat> Facebook affairs. All of the, the, the it, by, by the way, Facebook is not responsible for affairs any more than the person who takes a car to rob a bank could say that the car is responsible for robbing the bank. But it is a vehicle that is used today that has created a tremendous number of, of, of uh, affairs, hookups, Connecting with the opposite sex to exchange pictures, chat, and socializes opens a Pandera's box filled with curiosity, excitement, temptation, passion, and opportunity. To see a snapshot of an old flame can ignite a spark of interest that may flood, bring a flood of memories to come rushing back. What appears to be uh, a harmful, what appears to be a harmful connection an unharmful connection, has the potential to become extremely dangerous. I just want to caution you about Facebook. Uh, you, you may need to defriend a whole bunch of people. You may need to delete a bunch of stuff off your Facebook, all right? It, it, don't, don't give the devil an opportunity. 
The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. But breaking soul ties, I want to get to this. We just have a few moments left. Number one is decide to please God more than anyone or anything else. Number one, decide to please God more than anyone or anything else. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now listen, you will never be free unless you have a strong desire to be free. You will never be free without a strong desire to be free. In Mark 11, Jesus said, I say to you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, desire. And this is one of the things that I I believe so many people miss out on when it comes to prayer. Jesus said to earnestly pray the Lord of the harvest. And, And there's a lot of prayers that go up. That you, 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 you couldn't tell two days later if it got answered or not because you just don't care. You know, Lord, do this, Lord, do that, Lord, do the next thing. But there is really no desire. And Jesus said to pray earnestly. He said, whatsoever things you desire. Too often, as Christians, we're like a bunch of Buddhists. You say, you're criticizing Buddhism? Let me tell you about Buddhism. Buddhism believes the desire, the problem with everything in the world is desire. If you can get rid of all desire... You'll hit nirvana, which you don't even want to know about, okay? Because basically you turn into nothing and join the cosmos. But the problem with this world, they believe, is desire. Let me tell you something. The Bible does not teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches when you pray, you need to go with desire. And you need to pray earnestly. And you do not get free if you do not have a strong desire to be free. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 10. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. No more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what pleases Christ and then do it. Nike, do it. Just do it. Stop having sex outside of marriage. Stop fantasizing about somebody you're not married to. Stop texting, email, calling, connecting on Facebook. Stop doing it. Break off all communication. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't wait another day. Don't justify a wrong soul tie. Your future is at stake. Your destiny is at stake. Your eternal rewards are at stake. Choose God over people and feelings every single time. The devil wants you to believe your past is connected to your future, but in Christ it is not. And you can break away from your past. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. Jesus said, Mark 8. He said, if anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself, forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests and take up his cross and join me as a disciple and siding with my party. Follow with me continually, cleaving steadfastly to me. You know, you need to declare your freedom, break every tie, and connect with Jesus with all of your heart. It is an imperative. Number two, declare 
what the blood of Jesus has done for you. The Bible says in, in Revelation 12, they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And we need to testify what the blood has done. And the Bible says you weren't redeemed, bought back with corruptible things like silver or gold from the vain conversation or the way of life that you received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus. In fact, I'd like everybody, we're not done, but I'd like every head bow for just a moment. And I want to take authority in this place and I, over wrong soul ties. And I want you to agree with me. If this is connecting with you in your heart, in your spirit, I want you to agree. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we renounce every wrong soul tie that the devil has used through relationships. We cancel all the ungodly, destructive, hurtful effects of wrong relationships in Jesus' name. There'll be no effect at all upon any of God's children, upon their marriage, their family, or their ministry. And we forbid the enemy's interference and continuing use of those relationships against them and we claim the blessing of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over their relationships, over their family, over their children, over their marriages, in the name of Jesus. And by the power of his blood, we declare God's people purchased and free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, number three, build yourself up with the word of God. It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You need to grow in the Lord. You need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Get the word of God inside you. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. And number four. Don't go back. Don't go back and don't get close. Again, make no provision for the flesh. Don't drive by. Don't check Facebook. In fact, clean your house out. Clean your computer. Delete. Defriend. Get rid of pictures. Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things nor consider the old things. For God said, behold, I do a new thing. All right. Remember, your soul is your will, your thoughts, your emotions. Your will is what you want. Your thoughts are what you think. Your emotions are what you feel. And the enemy may come back and try to connect you in some of those areas. Jesus was tempted by the devil. The devil, it says, left for a more opportune time. How many of you know the devil came back and tried some more? And don't think that he may never try again because he may. All right, but you keep that stuff. You get rid of all that memorabilia. Psalms 124, our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. We have escaped. Don't go back. Don't get anywhere around it. Uh, the day will come when Psalms 131 verse 2 will be your song 
It says, surely I have, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Calm and quieted my soul. How many of you ever weaned a child? Let me just tell you, those of you who haven't, this is what it's like. Days, hours. They, they want what they want, and they want it now, and there ain't going to be no substitute. Don't give me that little pacifier thing. They're just, they're just like, they're just after it, and after it, and after it, and after it. But, oh, happy day. When it's over. When they're calm and quieted in their soul. Calm and quieted in their soul. And, and no matter where you've been, what you've done, how you've been tied, God has a calming and a quieting and a freedom for your soul. Don't go back. Declare the liberty that he's given you. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. You've been purchased. You belong to him. And by the word of your testimony. Some of you may say, well, I, I, want, some, I want, want some more about this. Uh, we have healing rooms here where they minister and break soul ties, as well as freedom ministries. When they come along, every so often we'll do freedom ministries. They deal with soul ties. And so uh, I just wanted to let you, you know that. If you said, look, uh, I may need some help in getting free, staying free, uh, the, those ministries are here and they're available to you. Would you bow your heads for just a moment, please? If you ever talk with people about their soul, I think one of the most interesting things is, is that almost everybody believes that they're right with God. Let me just say that you're not a Christian by association because your parents were or even because you're here in church. And what most of the people believe is you just be a good person. If you're just a good person, you're going to go to heaven. I want to tell you something. The Bible does not teach that good people go to heaven. The Bible teaches us that forgiven people go to heaven. And that no matter how good you've been, you need to be forgiven. Uh, see, there's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. What that means is that my way will never get me to heaven. That your way will never get you to heaven. That there's only one way, and it's God's way. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You say, what does that mean? That means that you need to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. Right? Uh, you're here today in God's house. And I believe you're here by divine appointment, many of us. You're here because you need to get right with God. And today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Now, what so often we think, we think, well, I do, I know about God. I believe, I believe God in God. Uh, everybody does. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter. See, and you know in your head who Jesus is. But salvation has never been about what you know. It's never been about your head. Salvation has always been about your heart. 
And if you haven't given your heart and your life to Jesus, you still have it. He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to somehow deceive you into giving it. And the choice is yours. And if you have not consciously given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life, you still have it. And he won't take it by force. But he does say to you, today is the day of salvation, that you must be born again. And with him, it's, it's an all or nothing deal. In fact, he said this. He said, because you're lukewarm, you're not hot or cold. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. And a lot of people, because they know things, they think they're right with God. But they're not a real Christian, not a Bible Christian. Jesus said, lukewarm people, they don't make it. But the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So you need to do more than just know about him. You need to receive him as your Lord, your Savior. Give him all of your heart and your life. And if you say today, I want to receive forgiveness and I want to surrender my life to Jesus and my heart to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I simply want you to lift your hand. Here's what's going to happen. You're not lifting it to me. You're lifting it to God. And we're going to pray together. And God is going to meet you today right here in this place. And you're going to lead right with God. As you lift your hand, you're saying, first of all, today, I recognize that I need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying, I don't want to know about Jesus just in my head. I want him in my heart. I want him in control of my life. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today, I'm going to receive him. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to make me a new person on the inside. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to be a part of his family on my way to heaven. Three. Just lift that hand up. Pray with me. I am not right. I see that hand and 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 that hand up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you right back there. Anyone else? Lift it high. Thank you. Another hand over here. Right. Would everybody please stand? Nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary, please. This is kingdom business. Now, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you? Make your way right down here. I'm going to come here. God's going to meet us right here. I want you to bring your Bible, your purse, your coat, the person that you came with. Whatever you came with, bring it right down here right now. And God is going to meet you right here. When we say amen in a moment, your past is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Well, give them a hand as they're coming. If you're in the balcony, you make your way down. We're going to wait for you. Come on down. This is your day. Jesus said, confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Awesome. Awesome. Right over here. Nobody is on the balcony. Okay. Awesome. Yes. All right. This is your day. Now. 
right. 45 years ago, right where you are today, pray this prayer. That's 45 years. It's still working. We're going to keep working. And we're going to pray this prayer. And 45 years from today, this prayer is still going to be working. It's going to be working in your life. God's going to do something supernatural for you today. Now, Romans 10, verse 13, is what it says. It says, whosoever, that means you, and 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 you, will call on the name of the Lord. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the great thing. This verse has a promise. This is what it says. We'll be saved. I mean, God can't lie. So you do this from your heart. You just pray this from your heart. And when you say amen, you're going to be right with God. Forgiven. Your past is going to be gone. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes, yes. All right. Come on. Right. Now, everybody want us all to pray this together. Here's what you need to do. You need to make these words your own. Right? Just place one hand over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again. I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to serve him all of my days. I thank you. You love me. That I'm forgiven. That you make me a part of your family. That you make me new on the inside. And I am yours. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.